All right. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Binge Lists and Box Office Hits, the podcast all things film, TV and streaming. I'm your host, Shannon Holiday, and I'm joined once again by Letitia Thomas. How are we doing? I am very excited for this one. I've been waiting for it forever. Basically, since we started the podcast, you've been like, we, we can do a Yellow Jackets we podcast. We can do a Yellow Jackets podcast. And this is the week because it's now finished season two. Everything's out. We can actually deep dive into all of it. Yeah, because I watched it. Must have been end of last year, around like October or something, because yeah. the girls at work were like, "How come you've never seen it?" Yeah, and I'd wanted to like watch it, and then I'll get into more of it a bit. Like, once yeah, you're already in. wanting itch to start. But yeah, and then <laughs> no one wanted to talk to me about it. Yeah, so I just had to like, kind of just wait until season two started, you've so people wanted to talk to assimilating me. Assimilating people into your cult of yellow jackets. Oh, I absolutely. So there was two people at work that had seen it, and they said, "You got to watch it, Tish." And then I watched it, and then yeah. slowly I just keep talking about it, and <laughs> half of the work people now watch it and myself included you were the one who got me onto it so yeah, we'll get into that and then <laughs> about six other profiles on my paramount plus yeah so, thank god we can password which share. i just canceled oh you did I, yeah i just oh. said yellow jackets is ending also pay your writers please so cancel i've done my bit uh, yeah yeah i mean okay. i still have it for a little bit but yeah what else have you been watching this week Tish? i been, been watching ted lasso and i'm in love with it and it's gonna end next week and i don't know what to do with myself because i've been watching two insane well one's an insane soccer show and one's a very heartwarming soccer yeah, show and it, they're both about to end the so things are very different very different very somehow different. both soccer but they're all ending so i think i'm gonna chain that once it's finished i'm just gonna I think so. binge the whole thing because i've got apple tv plus yeah. so i'm just gonna watch the whole thing at once get it out get it done so i've got one more and that's killing me and yeah. then i went and i bought a copy of the slums of beverly hills yes um which is a film from 1998 written and directed by tamara jenkins um starring it's got Natasha Leone, of course, um, Alan Arkin, Rita Moreno, Marissa Tomei, Kevin Corrigan. That's a loaded cast. Yeah, it's maybe one of the greatest, like, 90s films. So I went and bought it from, like, a DVD store that had to get it, like, imported. Yeah. And the guys there, like, they don't make films like this Questionable anymore. copy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it definitely, I feel like it's illegal, for sure, yeah. 100%. It's yeah. been ripped off something. There's no even, like, you there's know no when you- cover disc? On, like, there's no on cover the- disc. Someone's just printed out a thing for it. Yeah. There's no like DVD menu. No, it's just straight into film. You just film. put it in the yeah, film stars. It's definitely um, a burnt disc. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. Oh, you paid for it. But I did pay for it and you can't find it anywhere else. So, so yeah. I didn't know before I bought it. <laughs> it was kind of dodgy. But yeah. it's um I haven't heard about this one. Yeah, so I don't know. I watched it maybe I was eighteen. I don't know, it was in that time that I don't know what time yeah, it limbo. was. And I was just yeah. watching a bunch of Natasha Leone stuff and it's yeah. One of my favorite ones she's done. I would say it's probably a better film than even Bottom of Cheerleader. Okay. Just yeah. As a whole, like Bottom of Cheerleader is very cult niche. This kind of like accessible, a classic. Yeah. Um, and it's about a family in 1976. They're lower middle class. She struggles to cope living with a neurotic family of nomads on the outskirts of Beverly Hills. So basically, they don't have any money. Yeah. She's okay. just living with her dad yep. and her two brothers. So they just sort of hop cheap motel t- kind of thing so they can stay in good schools. Yeah, okay. But like in the middle of the night, he'll be like, get up, we're leaving. Take what you can get. And then yeah. the, you know, people that are running it are like, you know, you got to pay. And yeah, it's, there's, it's, a, there's a whole thing. But that's thing. the gist of it. And it's just, just fantastic. Yeah, that's okay. kind of what I've been watching. And then I tried the Apple TV Plus platonic series that started this week. I kind of t- told you I was going to watch that. But yeah, you said, yet. I'm going to watch it. So I said, okay, I'll watch it too. And then. You haven't, but that's fine. I've had a, um, I've had a week, and you know that. So yeah, it's um Rose Burns and um Seth Rogen. Yes, and they're two friends. See, I love them from um Bad Neighbor. Yeah, they yeah. are in that. Yeah, so they're very compatible. She's playing Sylvia. 
Yes. And she learns that her best friend, Seth Rogen's character, Will, has just been divorced. Yeah. And she's like, I don't know if I should go see him. Should I see him? Should I see him? And her friends are like, you guys were best friends. Yeah. You need to, like, reconnect. And basically, she didn't like his wife. Yeah, okay. So it was like, I like my wife. Mm. And basically, they had, like, a falling a out. friendship breakup. Break yeah. And now that the wife's out of the picture, she's like, I can get back with my best friend, yeah, basically. Yeah, okay. um, and in the pilot, he doesn't know that she knew when right. she got back in touch. Yeah. And I don't really know what the plot is of it yet. They're kind of just... It's just setting up. Just hijinks. Just two yeah. platonic best friends that are That's just cool. doing stuff. So she has to go look for a home. So he's like, oh, come with. And yeah, just okay. that kind of... Re-establishing the connection. Yeah, I really don't At know what the plot early. is yet. Yeah, I'm sure they'll be established like a drive soon. It's episode one. So, so that's pretty much been it this week. And then Yellow Jackets because I rewatched, I think, two episodes this week. Yeah. Like just, I watched them twice, so yeah. Just a rewatch. Yeah, I watched, uh, I watched a lot of things I like twice, <laughs> like once for fun and then once because I'm a dork yeah, okay. and a nerd and I'm like, now I can look at it. I can consume it a bit better the second like, time Yeah, from like because yeah. I'm like a writer and stuff, like from yeah. that side of it. So I can enjoy it once without... Yeah. As entertainment value and then once for... And then twice or three times because I'm a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this week I've been watching... Uh, I watched about two movies and a little bit of TV shows. So I watched uh, Warcraft mm-hmm. from 2016. Um, stars Travis uh, Fumel, Paula Patton and Ben Foster. It was... Yeah, it's basically about two rivaling kind of races. Uh, the orcs end up trying to invade the homes of the humans because they're... they're um, their, their home is dying. Essentially, it's dying off. There's nothing, no resources that they try and invade. Well, that's what they established for their reason of invading. And yeah, the humans have to protect their home. I didn't love it. And when I say I didn't love it, I gave it a one out of five. I, I, the plot was modeled. It, it doesn't establish any like world building to begin with. You're just chucked into plot straight off. These characters are doing that. You don't know who half of them are to begin with. And it's just a massive CGI fest. The acting was subpar. I was honestly thinking about cancelling the movie after 20 minutes of putting it on, but I generally don't do that. I'll see a movie through just to go, oh, maybe it gets better. Or I want to say I've seen the whole thing so I can say I've seen that movie and I still didn't like it. Don't go see this film. No, I've, this is one that's kind of older, right? It's 2016. Yeah, I saw the, I've seen the cover of it and I yeah. went, that's not a movie for me. It's based on the Blizzard Entertainment game. Mm-hmm. So it's a, you know World of Warcraft, the Warcraft games before yep. that. So all the races are in there and that, and you can play and they verse each other in the game. You pretty much have to play the game or know all about the lore from the games prior to seeing the film. It doesn't establish that the audience may not have done that. That's you basically just get chucked into it. And I really, I, even I was, like I've played the games here and there when I was younger. Even I was a bit confused of what the hell was going on. I just did not enjoy it. It was not a comfortable film to watch. That's like, that's really poor writing. It was, honestly. Assume that people remember enough about the games to follow a film. Like that's the yeah. opposite of what you want to do with an adaptation from a game. Exactly right. Yeah. And we've kind of established with, you know, these days games work better as a TV series. Mm-hmm. Look at Last of Us. Yep. Last of Us is a perfect example. I loved it. I've never played the games. I know about them, yeah, like, yeah. you know, over the years. But Also, yeah. it's just a brilliant story to loved use into a, into a TV show. Another film like uh, struggles from doing it as a movie is Assassin's Creed. So... I think Assassin's Creed, because each game does a different like era, setting, timeline, character, it doesn't matter. Like you, you could really flesh out a whole character in a world in a TV series, but this one had two hours to establish the same thing, all all the exploits of like the, the lore and all that, as well as the two character timelines, didn't work. So 
yeah, those two movies struggled as video game adaptations. Definitely don't go see Warcraft. I didn't love it. And the other one I watched was, kind of watched this in two parts because I was half asleep one night, watched the first hour, watched the other hour the other day. Uh, the Woman King. Oh, I wanted to watch that for a long time. Yeah, it's yeah. on It's on binge now. Okay. Yeah, so it's worth seeing. Um, 2022, uh, starring Viola Davis, uh, Lashana Lynch. Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce her name, yeah. but I know she's been in a bunch. She was in No Time to Die. I think she was also in Matilda, wasn't she? I think so, yeah. yeah. Yes, she was. Yeah, absolutely. She's funny. She, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Um, she's phenomenal. But Viola Davis is the huge standout. It's got um, John Boyega as well as the actual king. It's a strong cast. Very strong cast. What really captured me about this film was just the when they're doing like the dance scenes and the choreography or the fight scenes really captured me. The story is a bit muddled with subplots. There's basically two rivaling nations. There's like slave trade in there. But also there's like a subplot about her and her lost daughter who comes in and tries to be one of the new recruits into right. the female-led army. So there's a lot of muddled kind of subplotting that kind of like drags out the runtime. If they weren't in there and they tightened up the pacing, it would be perfect. It was a really good film, but just a little bit let down by that kind of thing. Otherwise, worth checking out. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's on Binge if you've got that in Australia. Yeah, I'll just use your account. Yeah. Because we'll uh, it's not Netflix. Password share. We can do it with that. What a concept. Mm. Um, I watched um, episodes two and three of Blackbird. Got the title right this time. I did. Yeah. Uh, I stuffed it up in the last episode. I called it Bird Box. Yeah, I don't ben know if you caught that. Ben, ben caught me out on that one. Thank you, Ben. Um, it's getting really good. It's getting really into the juicy part where um, Taron Egerton's character is now into the Supermax jail and he's just met the character of um, Larry Hall, who's he has to get the confession out of that he murdered I these might. 12, 15 women. And in the juxtaposition between like Jimmy's character, who's this like tough, into-himself kind of character, ladies' man, really easy to talk to, versus Larry, who's this really awkward kind of like everyone just treats him as a simpleton kind type character. Oh, he just confesses to everything. It's just Larry. He's harmless. Really kind of like it's starting to develop now in those two and three episodes. It's really good. I think I might start watching it this week because I am going to have time. Yeah. No, definitely check it out. It's only six apps. Okay. So I'm at halfway now. I think that and Severance might be my next ones because I've got to get my money out of yeah. Got to get my money out of Apple, Apple and then cancel it. I have cancelled it. It's ready. <laughs> oh, no, you've got less than a month left. Yeah. Yeah. Check this out. It's worth it. I'm really keen to. Uh, and, yeah, I watched about five episodes of Yellow Jackets just to catch up for this episode. So I'll deep dive into my thoughts and that about that show a bit later on in the main topic. Alrighty, do you want to do some trivia? Let's do some trivia because okay. I'm absolutely loving this I've part of it. I've got some cards, so if there's the same one as last week, we'll just have we'll to just, go again. I'll just go to the next one. Yeah. We'll know if we've read them or not. Joaquin Phoenix received his first Oscar nomination for playing Roman Emperor Commodus in what film? Gladiator. That is correct. Love that film. You know they're doing a sequel, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I've definitely seen it. Might have to rewatch it before the sequel. Oh, I definitely will. I love all that kind of stuff. It's very well done. Russell Crowe when he's actually ripped and, you know, in the mainstream of movies. All right. Your first one. Who is the first actor to play Jack Ryan on screen? I don't think I have any clue. No, I was I, it, I didn't know this I know person did it. They did the movies. Yeah. But I think there was a TV series like before I'm that. I'm going to assume that because... Oh, wait, the movies were first. I don't know anything about them. There was a TV show on Amazon that's happened mm. recently. It's not that person either. No. It's not who you think oh. is probably Tom Cruise is the movies. Is it? Yeah. Before that, I'll no let idea. you know. It's Alec Baldwin. Oh, he's not Must so hot be, right now. No. Yeah, he's a hot topic, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't realise he did... 
a version of him. I'd have to go look that up. I don't know anything about Jack Reacher. It's a book series, right? And then they made the TV adaptation <laughs> and also... Yeah, it must have been. Yeah. All right, okay. Let's move on. Which 1927 war drama was the first movie to ever win Best Picture? Oh, God. 1927. Yeah, I don't know this This answer. is going well back. It's not the original Dunkirk, was it? Nah, it's a movie called Wings. Nah, I got nothing on that one. That was a tough one. I got nothing on that either. Yeah. Like I said, early cinema, early 20s cinema, I'm, I'm going to struggle. Yeah. Citizen Kane, though, I'm your man. I've watched that. We'll quiz you on it next yeah, week. Yeah, we'll see how I go with that, actually. <laughs> What movie did Robin Williams dress as a woman to be closer to his children? This is Mrs. Doubtfire. Yes. Yeah. I watched that a lot as a kid. Well, maybe not a lot, but like enough. All right. I'm going to be honest with you. You've not seen it? I haven't seen the whole thing. That's fair. I think. I think as a kid, I watched like blurred versions of it where you catch it halfway through. And you know, you've seen probably most of it, but Mm -hmm. I can't say I've seen the whole thing in one sitting. It's Good. I, oh, it's great. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I love Robin Williams. I think he's fantastic. It's, he's one of his iconic roles. Alrighty. Which movie star is killed off in the opening scene of Scream? Which actor? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's Drew Barrymore. Yeah. 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 I was like, we talked about this about five minutes ago. I think I watched that after I came back from Scream 6 just because I'm so into it. Um, I watched that scene. I don't know if we watched the whole film in high school. We yeah. must have. But I remember particularly like looking at that scene. It's iconic because at the time they didn't usually use like big name actors to kill off in the first scene. No. It was like one of the new things that they did for Scream and it was, yeah, it was really well done. All right, your final one. Uh-oh. What is the name of the spaceship in Alien? Is I it ca- Andromeda? Oh. I was just guessing. I've got no idea. I mean, you're kind of, it's Nostromo. Oh my God. <laughs> you knew it, right? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I've read the yeah, script yeah. a couple times. I love it. And yeah. the minute you said it, I was like, that's yeah, right. Yeah, when I was deep diving into Aliens, like about a year ago, when I watched all of them basically at once, I looked everything up at the same time. And I was like, yeah, that's the name. So I knew it. I was like, huh? Oh, you weren't far off. It was a good guess. I didn't think it was right. No, well, it was but. a good guess though. Yeah. Alrighty, let's get into some news. We've got the new Barbie trailer this week. Yes. Have you seen it? I haven't seen the new full okay. trailer. I've just watched that teaser where they kind of fight on the beach and everyone's named is Barbie and Ken. Okay, so basically we've got a bit of a plot. She's been living in, I think it's like Barbie land. It's what it's called. No yeah. one sue me. I never had Barbies as a kid, all right? The idea is like their Barbies are an idea. They're not like a person or a human. Yeah, it's like this fantasy land. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she begins to question life and become more human, like her, you know, typical like pointy feet for the high heels suddenly I've become flat. I've seen that yeah, she gets out of the and high heels like, and she's still got her foot up. Yeah, yeah, well, in this new one, like, they become flat. And she's right, like, okay. ah, my feet are flat. <laughs> what do I do? Um, and basically she goes to find Kate McKinnon's Barbie. Yeah, okay. Who's like that one. She's that the she's, pregnant one? No, she's no, the, the, the one the that's other been one. like drawn on and the hair's been cut. Yeah, and, like, yeah. It's like this Barbie's always in the splits. Anyway, but <laughs> yeah. somehow she wasn't in the scene now, I'm just realising. But anyway, she goes to see her and – um. She comes there and she's got, you know, the Barbie typical pink heel yeah. or like Birkenstocks. And she's like, <laughs> you can either like go and learn things about the, you can either stay here and, you know, continue to be a Barbie blower or you can go learn things about the real world. And yeah. Barbie's like, um, the first one, please. And she's like, mm, you can't have that one. Pick again. So she gets <laughs> these Birkenstocks and then she has to go to the real world basically. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of this, the, this idea of like, she has to go and now learn what it means to be a human rather yeah. than a Barbie. And Ken just comes Ken's along. Ken's just there for the ride. Yeah. She didn't mean to bring him. He just. Isn't he just in the car? Yeah. Yeah. And that's. <laughs> I think I've seen the, parts of it, yeah. Like, plot? I don't know. Yeah. Greta Gerwig, it's going to be pretty good. It's going to be, I'm really excited. Same same day as um, Oppenheimer. Yeah, it's going to be interesting in the cinemas. It's going to be a double cinema day for me, I think. Yeah. I'm going to go see both. July 20. Yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah, it's not far off. Alrighty, so John Wick 5 is already in early development. Uh, this is according to Lionsgate, the um, film house making mm-hmm. it. 
this is in addition to the ballerina spinoff uh, starring Anna Diamas. And they're also doing, Peacock's doing a Continental prequel series starring Mel Gibson. So they're essentially trying to expand the world of John Wick and basically turn it into MCU-style universe, cinematic universe of John Wick films. So what I'm going to assume is I won't say anything about John Wick 4 in case no one's seen it, is they're going to really start to develop characters out of these spin-offs TV Mm -hmm. shows and that will strongly probably influence John Wick 5. I think if they do that and they do it well, it'll work for them. Yeah, I think it's a good world that they've built already from the movies. It's interesting enough that there is an established whole world of assassins. They've done that through all four films. So they can definitely draw upon other characters to kind of build into this world and kind of develop a universe. Yeah. I think there's a lot there that they can do. If they stay in the same vein of the stylized action, the neon light setting-esque of the movies, it will do well. Yeah, hopefully they do. Hopefully they don't try to make it. You know how they sometimes they take a spin off and then they go waiting into something completely different. Yeah, hopefully they just do it well. I'm interested of ballerina. Mm-hmm. Anna Diarmas is fantastic. She's, she's amazing. Been, she's been doing a lot of kind of action heavy mm-hmm. stuff lately with No Time to Die and some other things she's been working on. So I think her training for that will work really well in this film. Alrighty, so The Witcher on Netflix is getting a fifth season with the third season show dropping on July 29th. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have doubled down and decided to film a fifth season while currently filming with Liam Hensworth in the fourth season. Henry Cavill ended up leaving the show at the yep. end of season three uh, because of basically wanting to move on to other projects and they recast the role as Liam Hemsworth. So they're going to do two seasons with him and I guess see how it goes. Yeah, I'd be interested to see. I mean, I never watched the first season because it came out in the midst of like covid and everyone was at home watching it. My sister started watching it, which yep. is my sister wasn't really into films. It's quite graphic. Yeah, which maybe that's why she didn't continue it because she's scared. <laughs> um, but, you know, I had to work in the pandemic. Yeah, the whole time. Um, so I'd never got around to it. And now I just don't really care. Like there's so much content. Uh, it's not one. I think it's just a loaded kind of TV show with too much drama mm. involved with it at this point. Like I'm still only halfway through season two. And like I don't really care for Henry Cavill or Liam Hemsworth enough to want to seek it out. So. Yeah. I'd just read the books, to be honest. We'll see how it goes, because it is quite popular, though. Oh, it's really popular. But the issue with shows like this is when they recast a role for an already established character, there's usually a lot of backlash. There already has been, but let's see how Liam Hemsworth goes in the role, because the show's going to feel different. Yeah, especially, I think you can get away with it if it's an ensemble, and there are the characters, but when they're, you know, the the Witcher. That is the Witcher character. It's going to be very different. It's not easy to do, especially in the same... It's not like they've it's not done a, a separate change. movie. It's or not a prequel series. It's just a continuation. So it's going to feel different, even though it's supposed to feel the same. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Um, and then Variety, they've announced their new season of Actors on Actors, which I don't watch all of them, but I watch quite a few. Um, and we've got a couple of the ones that they're going to do. I'll just like, let you guys know at home. So they've got Catherine Heigl um, with Ellen Pompeo. So if you're a Grey's Anatomy fan, that one's for you. Yep. Um, they've got one with... Diego Luna and Hayden Christensen. I thought you'd like that one because we did Star Wars. Star Wars. Um, And then they've got a couple that I'm excited for. They've got one with Melanie Linsky and Natasha Leone. Yeah. So Yellow Jackets and recently Poker Face. Yeah. And then they've got another one that I'm keen for as well with Brett Goldstein and Theo James. James. Yeah. There's a few more in there, but they're the ones that I'm. I saw the one with uh, Rachel Wise and Mm. Taryn Edgerton, Mm -hmm. which is Blackbird. Blackbird. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to check these out. They look fantastic. Have you ever watched them before? I haven't actually. They're really good because like, they get 
actors on actors. Yeah, yeah. So it's really casual. Yeah. But they ask really like pointed Speci- questions yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah. Which is good to get more insight rather than an interviewer being like, how do you feel about this? And you can see some of them just get so over asking, getting asked those the type same of questions, questions. Yeah. when they're doing like a, a um, promotional tour. Go back and have a look at some of them like that you're I interested in because they're, they're really good. Sounds fantastic. So actors on actors. Mm-hmm. On variety. Good. So yeah, variety. they've announced it in like variety mag the whole schedule. So if you guys at home want to see it, go have a look at their schedule and then, yeah. Yeah. They come out on YouTube every, I think it's starting in June. Oh, we're going to get into Yellow Jackets, Shannon. Yes, we are going to get into Yellow Jackets now. This is the main topic. So I want to put a, a big uh, spoiler warning on top of this episode right now. This is where we're going to be spoiling seasons one and two, all of it. Well, anything that's out about Yellow Jackets, this is the part where you might want to at least take a break catch up on the show, or if you're not too phased about hearing about how it goes, listen in. We'll give you a quick brief rundown on what it is, just in case you are curious. Yes. Um, and then, yeah, we'll get into it. Basically, Yellow Jackets is the story of a wildly talented high school soccer team. When they're on their way to a Nationals game, their plane goes down in what we know as the Canadian wilderness. Yeah, they're unlucky survivors. So it's about the girls in the 90s when their plane goes down and they're trying to survive. And then it also cuts to... 25 years later. Yeah, 25 years later, which I think it's 2019, 2020. 2021. Yeah, okay, 2021. Yeah. Now. Because it's 1996. Yeah, so they're in their 40s now and they're just trying to cope, basically, with the trauma of all the crazy stuff. Yeah. That happened to them. Yeah. So there's there's four distinct characters in season one mm-hmm. that are seen as adults in the 2021 timeline. And it's also obviously a bunch, the whole team in 1996. Yeah. And they're the two timelines that kind of correspond in the first season. So we know that some of them died in the wilderness, but we don't know who's yeah, you survived. Only, you only know four survive. And um, basically it's created by a married couple, um, Ashley Lyle and Bart Nickerson. Um, and then it's show run by Jonathan Lisko. And they basically just wanted to explore the idea of what violence girls are capable of, kind of in a similar vein to like Lord of the Flies because typically people have been like, oh, if it was girls, it wouldn't be this dark. And they've Um, kind of gone, "Mm, if it was girls, it'd be a hell of a lot darker. And they're kind of exploring that, especially in season two. Yeah. And then I really like how they've done the two timelines because you get to see obviously girls in in the 90s and, and what that environment was and then what that environment when they're stranded becomes. Yeah. But also you get to see women that actually, like characters that grow up into interesting middle-aged women, which typically you just never saw. Like um, I know Melanie Linsky who plays the adult Sean on one of the characters in it. She thought, okay, well, my time's going to be up by the time I'm 40. Yeah, but she's having a renaissance at the moment. Like she's in this, she was in uh, The Last of Us Mm -hmm. as well. Um, she's having a real big resurgence yeah, now. Yeah, I love Melanie Linsky. She's fantastic. Yeah. I really like her as well. Um, I remember her from Two and a Half Men. Yeah, me too. That's when Rose. I first saw it. Yeah, 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 that's how I remember her from. Uh, she's done earlier stuff than that, but I was mm, Yeah, so. she did with Kate Winslet. Yeah, so these two timelines, you've got the four characters who are alive. Yeah, it's just seeing how they've kind of built a life after the fact of this hugely survival experience and also them trying to suppress their trauma from mm-hmm. it. And essentially it, throughout the first season is, and two um, is how they're starting to deal with that trauma because it comes out in certain ways in different responses with these characters. And I just – that's interesting to me because you never see that kind of thing. Like I, the reason why I like this show so much is when you suggested it to me was, oh, it's a plane crash. And I just instantly thought of loss. And you yeah. know how much I love loss. So I was like, oh, a plane crash, survivors, I'm going to check that out. And not only did that drive me to enjoy the show, it's also, it's just really well character written, driven mm-hmm. 
drama. Um, there's a sprinkle of different characters and different like aspects of life that they represent. And just the fact that you do get to see that after effect, because Lost doesn't do that. You no. never really see the outcome of after their lives of dealing with this situation in how they try to adapt back into a real life scenario. Like they're trying to, you know, there's a married one. There's one who's trying to run for a Senator one's really drug heavy user and is constantly in rehab all the time. And once the neurotic nurse as well. Yeah. Played by uh, Christina Ricci. Yeah, the cast She's is just phenomenal. so good. And the other one I was thinking of, it's Heavenly Creatures. Oh, okay. That she started. Because yeah. Yeah. people are like, oh, she can't do dark stuff like Melanie Linskin. It's like she started doing yeah. really dark stuff because that was about a based on a true story mm. about a girl in New Zealand who killed her own mother. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that um, is right, quite dark. So that's kind of the gist of Yellow Jackets. Yes. So if you do want to watch it. Yeah. Turn off the podcast now and come yeah. back to it. Yes. So I think we'll get into, I guess, some of the characters, I think, to start off with. What character do you like the most and why do you think they're your favourite? From season let's, one, two let's or both? start with season one and maybe talk about two towards the later. See, it's hard for me in yeah. the sense that, like, I truly love all of them. Yes. From both personal but then also, like, as a writer, I'm like, they're all fantastic. But yeah. I think the ones that hooked me in season one the most – from sort of both timelines Mm -hmm. and I'm talking about like the main like six not like the whole collective cast because that gets into a lot love Natalie Mm -hmm. she's hard not to love just that's my how broken she is she is but also like she's a she's on top of everything in a weird way like she she knows her reality quite well yeah she's at least in the first season, the most grounded character once she gets to the wilderness like she's obviously like early yeah, 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 yeah. She's obviously the one that's the best hunter with mm-hmm. Travis. I particularly like her character because she generally does try to keep the status quo with everyone having – like there's a lot of characters who have arguments with other characters. She's generally the one who tries to mitigate a lot of that mm-hmm. early on at least. Yeah, she's very much – she's from a broken home. Yeah. She killed her dad. Technically. Which, technically. Yeah. Like not intentionally but yeah, – he ended up dying ended from up a situation she was – Dying. Uh, yeah. And which – I'll talk about a lot later because it, it does play through her whole story. Yeah. She's acquainted with this darkness that the rest of them aren't – some of them are to a degree but not quite with her. Mm. And I think she's had to sort of keep the peace at home and mm. stuff a lot. So she knows how to – she knows her way around like difficult situations so, yeah. between people but also she's been an outcast her whole life. Yes. She's like, you know, like essentially what she's would be the, considered trailer trash. She's the burnout character burnout. at the start. Yeah. And um, she doesn't really have any best friends within the team. No. She has friends. She gets along with people. Yeah. But She's also, she is an yeah. outsider. And I then, remember one particular scene early on when they're, they're all having that uh, – they're still at high school. They're mm-hmm. still at school. They haven't gone on the plane yet. They're all having that decision if they want to, like, um, free someone out. Oh, that, yeah, that Allie, freshman yeah. character, Ali. And they're all having an argument whether they should do it or not, like, pl- like make kick mm-hmm. her out of the team essentially. And I remember Natalie's the one that – essentially sticks up for the fact we're one team, we play better as a team, we should play as a team. This mm-hmm. is ridiculous. I just think she's not afraid to speak her mind. No. And she showcases that quite early. Yeah, I, I really liked her character. I liked a couple others in that scene, but I'll get into them sort of the more the season two because it's easy to do it that way. Yeah, it and changes towards season two. The other one I absolutely adored in the first season wasn't so much the younger counterpart, but I loved Misty, adult Misty. Oh my god, because she's Misty so is- unhinged, but I, but not unhinged, if that makes sense. So like, mm. from us looking outward, yeah. she's so unhinged, but, but she still has character logic. So yeah. you understand why she's making the decisions she makes and that she believes 
is the right decision. Yeah, she's very neurotic. Oh, yeah. She's very... Um, Just nuts. Yeah, she's very nuts to say the least. I think Christina Ricci plays a phenomenal mm-hmm. role. Um, I think, um, is it Sam Sam Hanratty plays the younger Samantha Misty? Sam Hanratty, yeah. That's it. She does a phenomenal role she's as the younger Misty. so good too. Yeah. But I didn't like her character in the same no, way. No, you don't like her character as the younger character because essentially something happens where she finds the black box from the plane crash and she destroys it because she's seen as worthy in the wilderness because she's got a lot of survival skills that she learned from like scouts essentially girl scouts Mm -hmm. and so when they first crash there's a bunch of people who have injuries and that she's first on the scene she knows what to do and she helps them all out so she's seen as worthy whereas before in the real life when she's at high school she's like the side character she's the assistant to the She's the equipment coach. manager. She's yeah. the equipment manager. So she's not really a part of the team. No. But she's along for the ride because she goes to nationals with them as well. So as soon as she first crashes, she's she's seen as worthy. You get a scene early on where she's clearly being bullied by a char- couple of characters on a phone call. Yeah. And so establishes her character is not not included. She's like the loser character. And then mm-hmm. once she gets to the wilderness, she finds her purpose. So when she finds the black box in like the second episode, I think, she destroys it because she this is where her, she finds a calling. So you don't really like her character, but the acting is just phenomenal it's so from amazing. both of them. I'm going to ask you a question because yeah. it sort of goes into this and I want to hear, it can be from season one or two characters that yeah, we okay. see, like younger or adult. Yeah. Because um, I have sort of an answer mm. for you and, and a more complicated one for me. But mm-hmm. And it can be like any of them because I know like it's a very female driven yeah. cast. But which character do you think you're most like or you see yourself in? It's tough. I'm thinking adult as well. Mm-hmm. And it, it can just be one part of them. It could be like, I see myself as this as a child or this yeah, as a adult. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I think I love the character of Jeff when he's older. Oh, I love Jeff. Jeff is phenomenal. He's the uh, husband of Shauna, the older character in the future. I love when he's um in the car and she's in the cop shop and he's playing... um. Yeah, yeah, it's a Beastie F Boy. No, it's... Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, it's NWA. I'm going to try not to swear on this. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah it's NWA. Um. I think his character, although he's got many flaws, he's the most uh, like not endearing is the word. He's he's got a good heart. He does. At the end of the day, he's got a good heart. He's looking out for his family, and I think he means well. Like he obviously does in season one. Blackmail. Yeah, in season one, the Yellow Jackets all come together because they're starting to get blackmailed. They don't know who buy. This person's asking for money. And it kind of drives the season one adult storyline because they're trying to work out who they think it's someone from the past who knows about their stuff on the in the wilderness. And it turns out at the end of the day, it's just Jeff because he needs some Jeff money. Jeff and Randy. Jeff and Randy, who's his best friend from high school. Um, they just need some money because his business is going, he's failing and he hasn't told Sean or any of that. Yep. And they know that um, Ty's character's got money because she's the politician. So yep. they're just trying to get a bit of money that way. So he's flawed. He's heavily flawed in certain ways, but in the end of the day, he's really just looking out for the best for the family. And I just think his qualities in season two really shine as well. I can Especially because of the heavily loaded mm-hmm. stuff that Shauna kind of puts the family yeah. through in season two because she just starts to go off the rails in season two. She just starts doing crazy stuff just to kind of feel something or just watch it get worse because she's just, you know, the darkness is creeping in yeah. more essentially. And he, he just commits to her the whole time. He doubles down on the... The murder pact that they agree on. Bless Jeff. Um, yeah, I love Jeff. I can see you as a bit of a Jeff. Bit of a Jeff when I get older. And the, the other one that I had for you is um, more on the earlier younger side. Yeah. I see you as like Van. Very much like yeah. love my movies. Actually, like, I like didn't even think around. about Van. But yeah, I can. Yeah. yeah, before she starts to get really, really sp- dark. spiritual and dark. Mm, and I she can goes see. through a few survival situations. 
yeah, early Van is the pop culture I can see nerd you. and she's sassy as well to a degree. I, I like Van a lot. Yeah, mine's mine's really complicated because um when I first started watching it, a couple of the girls at work, and I won't name drop them in case I don't want to be name dropped, but they were like, oh, which one would we be for Halloween? Because it was around Halloween. Yeah, to dress up. And yeah. um, they were like, oh, we could be this one, we could be that one. And then they looked at me and went, I think you're going to be Lottie, go watch the show. And I watched the first episode and I was like, what pills is she taking? I'm like, oh, cool, the one that's schizophrenic. She's schizophrenic. But then the more that I watched the first season, mm. I was like, mm, potential. I don't know if this is good or bad, but I, c- I can see it. I can I'm see like, it too. Oh, yeah, I would definitely start worshipping trees. I'm like, yeah. yeah. If you're in the wilderness in that situation, oh, I think you would. Almost do it now. <laughs> you're not far I'm off. Like, and yeah. You haven't even plane crashed. I haven't yet. plane crashed. So I think that one, but then also I think. I got a question for you after When this. I was yeah. a teenager, I could see myself more of a Natalie angry at the world kind and of. And I could thing. see that as well, yeah. Um, And then maybe as an adult, like a little bit of van. Yeah, the whole, adult like, van's different to um, young teenage van. van. Yeah, maybe. So it's kind of more like, I like to say, in case anyone out there likes um, astrology, I don't really understand it, but it's more of a like Lottie Sun, Natalie Moon, Van Rising. Sure. Um, <laughs> which I don't really understand much about it, but yeah. I think I'm like, yeah, all those three in that way, sure. So that together. What yeah. that actually means in my style sounds, I know very I little. I know nothing. But I just like astrology. being able to put all three into something. I can see, I can see the, the, the Lottie Charlotte character. In yeah. Me. I don't know if I would definitely like end up as a guru cult leader. Well, I don't think she wanted to be the cult leader no, either, but which I, we kind of established. I definitely think I'd end two. up like a, like a reluctant leader. Yeah. Lose my mind a little bit mm. and then be like, someone else, please take over. What do you make of Charlotte's journey, Lottie's journey in season one to two? I like I love the character so much. I think it's probably the deepest written character. Yeah, and it like breaks my heart to just watch that character's journey. She goes through a lot. Like it starts out, she's it's her maybe psychic right as a kid. Yeah, because yeah. oh, she's yeah, she right, has yeah. these visions of like car crashes and stuff, and the mum is like. The mom's sort of Hispanic. I don't know exactly, but Hispanic and is more wanting to lean to my daughter's got some sort of gift. Yeah. The dad's a white man, very typically is like, nah, she's crazy. Yeah. So they get her on um, medication for schizophrenia. And it's yes. never clear if she's actually schizophrenic or not. Obviously, as an adult, she's mentally ill to some degree. That's, yeah. That's clear, but most obvious. of them are. So she's sort of this character. And I've watched a lot of interviews with like Courtney Eaton, who plays like the young Lottie as well. Yeah. She's a character that doesn't trust her own brain, doesn't trust herself, mm. kind of just wants the best for everyone. You see it early when she goes, mm, it doesn't feel right to ice Alley out, that kind yeah. of thing. She gets into the wilderness. She's like, oh, no. She's off the medication. I'm, I'm out of my meds. What's this going to happen? Yeah. Like, what does this do to me? And then she gets a friend with Laura Lee. Yeah, which is sort the of, very heavily religious character mm-hmm. in the first season. And she kind of goes, maybe your visions are a gift from God. And Lottie's like, cool, that's nice. Yeah. But then she eventually gets this vision and it's like Laura Lee's death. Yeah. She dies. She goes very dark. She leans very into quickly. that very quickly. So she leans into the spiritual aspect mm-hmm. of the wilderness because um, she likes to say she can listen to the wilderness and feel the wilderness. And she's trying to get the other characters to essentially associate with that as well. And even before like all of that, there's like she's like I don't like this cabin. Something bad happened here. Yeah. They go upstairs. There's, there's a, a dead, dead guy. guy. Then she maybe, I reckon gets possessed by something in that seance scene. I was going to ask about that. She speaks French. Yeah, And actually one of my favourite lines from season one is from Van. Yeah. And it's when Lottie's like freaking out, speaking all this French. Yeah. And 
it's like they're like what the hell she doesn't speak french why is she speaking french and then it's like jackie you talk french help and she's like i don't speak it well, well either yeah. and then van just goes and she's like, i suck a french and jackie's damn it jackie try not to <laughs> yeah i remember that so good yeah but yeah and then from there it just kind of just descends and then they yeah. see her as a god and yeah they certain situations happen that she kind of predicts or mm-hmm. kind of coincidentally predicts who knows because that's the whole point of this kind of spiritual journey mm-hmm. they're on um and they kind of see her as a leader because she's starting to see things that are happening and they go oh wow like she's, she kills the bear she's in tune she kills the bear and they use that for the meat for the for the remainder of the summer and is after that so they follow her and then as we get into season two when the winter sets in for the wilderness they treat her as like a full cult leader. They start to do like spiritual circles. Mm-hmm. They start to do offerings and more and more characters start to buy into it because they're basically, they're starving, they're dying, they're hallucinating because they're just stuck in this wilderness without any food. So they just want to have a reason to believe and survive. So, and and Lottie's character is basically giving them that reason. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them just buy into that. So it ends up being like this cult following of Lottie yeah. quite quickly in the dark part of sort season of two. Between Lottie and between Nat, which plays into it at the end of season two. Yeah, it just I love that episode. I think it's about four or five, I could be wrong, when it's between Lottie and Nat and they both go out to hunt. Yes. And it really just shows you like how out of her depth she is and how mm. she doesn't want to be there and they've put her on this pedestal yeah. and you know she nearly she dies hunt. and they come back and they're just and everyone's talking on her behalf like Mari's like she doesn't need a gun and yeah yeah they, go, they prop then, her up to this being yeah, god and being the she's just a human first line she utters in that episode i'm gonna swear a little bit she yeah. puts a hand on the tree and she just goes fuck me yeah and it's like because she's that's where she's at she's out of her depth mm. yeah. and then as it that just spirals and then yeah, she has that mall dream sequence yeah as and well. then Towards the end of the season, like she's like Shauna just beat beat me up instead of the rest of them, mm. and she like that's brutal. Yeah, she essentially takes Shauna's anger because mm-hmm. she knows that Shauna's super angry in that moment. Because of let's dive back a bit. Yes, because, a lot of this. Uh, we'll start at start with Shauna's character. Um, Shauna ends up have sleeping with Jeff before the plane crash. Mm-hmm. Jeff was seeing Jackie's character. Shauna's pregnant, so when they crash in the wilderness, she's pregnant with Jeff's baby. The whole time she's hiding the baby, it comes out. Jackie's not thrilled. There's a whole drama about that. She ends up fully developing the child while they're in the wilderness. And there's a one particular episode in season two where she has to have the child. Episode six, and that's it, so it's, hard to watch. It's heartbreaking. It's so heartbreaking because she she struggles to deliver the baby. Um, Misty kills it because she ends up helping her deliver the baby. Yep. She also questions herself halfway through the yeah. doing, delivering the baby as well. But she's like, "No, I'm here. I'm." They're mm-hmm. relying on me and all that. Shauna goes into this like sleep mode once she delivers the baby. And then it goes this aside kind of dream sequence as yeah. well. And then when it jumps out of this dream sequence, you are broken out of back into reality and the baby hasn't made it. And it's, it's a stillborn. They play that so well. Like as the credits essentially play, normally there's music. Yeah. And she's like, why can't you hear my baby crying? My baby's That's, crying. Yeah. And they just cut the music. It's just silence, which is something different from every other end of episode. So they, it's like um, really sits with you. That episode, a part of her giving like birth, like that kind of stuff, mm. they lost a card. A card got corrupted and they had to go and reshoot all of that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so she did it. Sophie Nellis did it twice and that's still how good the performance Phenomenal. is. I think uh, that's one thing I'll say about this cast is when they're required to do certain scenes like that because every – 
all the characters have had a scene pretty similar mm-hmm. a situation where they've been you know focal point of of the episode they've nailed it or they've nailed everything i don't think there's a bad actor or actress in this show even the ones that aren't in it a lot yeah they still deliver like mari you don't really like mari in that it's she plays the character well she plays as the, the character brat. as well and it's like oh man if you just be quiet it would make it easier but then there's that scene that i thought was amazing in Misty? episode eight no no with mari yeah when her and misty and lottie are up in the yeah, attic that's the one i was yeah, talking and about and misty she's just like tells making, her stop being a brat yeah you could help you just take this downstairs and yeah. get rid of it if it was and an then issue. she drops it yeah and she breaks and down because she's been sort of basically she doesn't know what to do she likes to cling to whoever's got power she hated lottie in season one yeah um they had a lot of arguments and stuff but then she's like I can believe in something She's th- and it shatters her illusion because yeah. she's kind of Lottie's like biggest acolyte yeah. and then she just she's sees her broken. Character. Like you yeah. said, she, she attaches herself to power because mm-hmm. she wants to survive that way. That's her way of surviving. She's Similar a very bratty character as well. To Misty, but in different yeah. ways. Yeah. 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 And yeah, even, Misty does the same thing. Yeah, like her actress is amazing too. Yeah. So what do you make of season two? I Some people didn't like it as much on the internet I've seen. Yeah, it's definitely getting less love. But I, I thought it was really good. Liked it more than the first. Yeah, not not different. in a di- like it's very different. But I think as a continuation of that story, yeah, they did a phenomenal job. And like the night, like they did it. This one has nine episodes. Season one has ten. And I think part of that is there's not a lot more time you can spend with the girls in a single cabin in yeah, a winter because the winter they're stuck in the cabin more. Yeah. They can't go out adventuring in the wilderness to look for things. No. There's no you know drive stories that way. There's a lot. They're stuck in a room do. a lot. And then the adult stuff is supposedly over about a week and a half, but I think it's probably closer to two weeks yeah. and that none of them as an adults really have a good grasp on time anymore. Yeah. Just because they're all It does take place pretty Ill. quickly. If you think about when they kind of kidnapped mm-hmm. Natalie as an adult and then took her to the retreat and how long it takes yeah. for the other characters to kind of get there as well. You'd see them about two weeks. Yeah. So yeah. she said, a, I think Natalie the like said a Juliet week, Lewis. but I think probably a little bit longer just given they all have a really like... Vague sense of time. Yeah. And Lottie's descent into sort of mental illness, madness, whatever you want to call it, mm. even if she is off her meds, is a bit quick for it to be a week. Because yeah. she starts out and she's... She's the leader of the retreat. Yep. Yeah, she has a cult now. She's got Natalie to look after her. And I think that's an interesting dynamic when you find out what happened, what happens in, in, in the nineties and then yeah. where it comes to now. And yeah, she stops taking her meds. She goes to another psych and she's like, Hey, I need to up my meds cause I'm having these visions again. And I can't have these visions again. Cause last time that happened, like really yeah. bad things happened. But then she has, yeah, she has that vision when she's speaking to the psychiatrist mm-hmm. and she's like, Oh, look, I was telling you all along. I don't think I'm actually sick. These people came to me. It must be for a purpose. And then she has that vision of where the psychiatrist is like, what's that line? It's like the hunt. What's the oh. point of a hunt if there's no violence or something? Yeah. Um, I wish I'd written this down. Yeah. It's a really it's, good line. Yeah. Uh, the, the psychiatrist says it and then she sees um, the huntress character. Yeah, I'm going to try and Google it while we talk. That while was... she's looking. And that's when it shows like how far she's descended back into yeah. seeing the spiritual world and, and connecting to the spiritual world. scares her. Yeah, it freaks her out. So much. Because yeah. she got hospitalized when she got back. Yeah. Which I think is such a, like, again, you asked me, like, how I feel. Like, such a brutal thing for that character to, yeah. like, you, you're in the, imagine being in the wilderness. Yeah. Mental, mental, mental stuff happens. For, by the way. 18 yeah. months. It's well over a year. You get back. You're not coping. You're basically catatonic. Yeah. And the dad's like, oh, she's, you know, doesn't talk to anyone. She's, she's not mute. eating. Yeah. 
she's just walking the halls at night. I'm like, yeah, because what else is she supposed to do? She's in this big house. So you guys don't love her. Mm. And then they go, you know what's best for her? Let's put her let's into put her an in institution, which I think she must be in there for quite a while because she talks about it, you know, that was over a decade it's ago, which is ago, loose. Which is 20, it'd be 15 25 years. years. That's still a, a 15 yearish mark. And yeah. that's in what, Switzerland. So yeah, who's they put visiting her? In Switzerland. her? Yeah. And then all the adults, like her friends, so you've yeah. got Van comes back into it this season and and they're like, oh, you know, Lottie, she's mental, rah, rah, rah. Yeah. she's been in this, loony bin. It's oh, like, she got out, that's great. Like, they didn't like, even you got, know. You got out and she's like, yeah, like 25 years ago. To then see it in the finale when mm. Van switches very quickly when she actually sees Lottie and she yeah. spends time with her and she's like, we can't put her back there because she's just as broken well, I as us. that was us. a really good line as well. I She's love talking that. to Ty, the adult Ty, and she's like, She's sick and it's like, well, if that's the case, so are you. And yeah. how good would putting her in a psych ward again be for you? And that's when Ty goes, yeah, no, you're right. It's not going to help me, so it's not going to help Lottie. And that's when they um, cancel the psych people to come and pick her up. And that kind of continues the fact that Van wants the hunt to happen again mm-hmm. in the adult yeah. timeline because she's th- also kind of questioning. I found the line and it says, does a hunt that has no violence feed anyone? Yeah, I thought that was that was an awesome line. And it's line. so chilling because they get yeah. Simone Kessel, who plays adult Lottie, to say that line and they yeah. play it over it. Yeah. And then she just has to go out and see her friends and mm. she does a phenomenal job at yeah. all the emotional. I mean, they all do, but yeah. as an extra to bring in, yeah, she really carries season. it. Yeah. They match that up well with um, teenage Lottie, I thought. Mm. So they're both, they both have Maori ancestry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. which is cool. The whole season. I think we should talk about the elephant in the room mm-hmm. and that's the aspect of cannibalism that has creeped oh, yeah. into the season because we haven't mentioned that yet. We haven't. So the opening scene of episode one, mm-hmm. the the pilot episode, is it's a cold opening. There's a, a girl, teenage girl, running through the, the, the snow, the wilderness. You don't know who it is. She's running along and she's hearing all these voices basically chasing her. And then she falls into a pit of spikes and dies. And then you see these other characters who are in full, like, Mm -hmm. wilderness outfits. You can't see their faces. They're all covered in, like, basically, like, bare skin and stuff. Um, Just come and slowly come over to the where she's died. They pull her out and then they slit her throat. Mm -hmm, The butcher. And then they eventually eat that person. You can see that they've cut them up and eaten them. Right at the end of the pilot episode... Because this is cut throughout the entire yeah, pilot episode, this this particular yep. scene as well. Right at the end of the episode, one of the people take off their mask at the end of the episode and it's Misty. Yeah, and she's sort of the right-hand man of yeah. what I think Reddit called the Antler Queen, the yep. original script called like the Overseer. Yeah, so yeah. there's like a leader who kind of nods when they start eating and then they all start eating the, the meat that's there from that character. So you don't know who's died. You don't know who that character was. Pit girl. But it also establishes that these people are going to be the Yellow Jackets characters that you're about to start watching the season for. And I think what's really incredible with that choice, and Mm. Jonathan Lisko, the showrunner, talks about it, is they didn't want to do a show that asked what if cannibalism. They wanted to do one that basically asks when cannibalism. Yeah. Like we know where this is going. Yes. But – how the when, hell? How long does it take to get them to that point? Teenage girls that we see on a soccer field when we first kind of meet yeah. them end up eating where one they of end their up. Own kind. Yeah, they're hunting and eating, not just they are yeah. hunting each other at some point. So at the end of the first season, 
there's an argument between Jackie's character mm-hmm. and Jackie Shauna's was their char- team captain, which is yeah. she's sort of forced from grace because she's useless out there. That's another character, yeah. She doesn't really survive as the others kind of learn to in the wilderness. She's the team leader. She's the popular girl. Everyone's kind of like, oh, looks up to her because she's like the it girl in high school. When they crash on the in the wilderness, she doesn't adapt. She's mm-hmm. still stuck in the ways of high school, the bitchiness, the the cliques and stuff, and like the drama about, oh, you slept with my boyfriend, you've got a child. It's like, yeah, none of that matters now. Like she let's just try and get her to survive. She's about to have a kid. Whereas Jackie still relies on that mm-hmm. drama of what high school would be. So she she doesn't really adapt to the wilderness in the first season. And she has an argument with Shauna about basically that, about adapting, about the fact that she slept with Jeff. And it all kind of cultivates at the end of the first season. And then Jackie goes, well, I'm not going to stay here in the cabin with you guys. Yeah. I'm going to just do my own thing. So she goes outside to kind of sit by the fire and just basically just be by herself. That's the night that the winter sets in. That's the night that it completely changes from basically the summer season to the winter season. And Jackie falls asleep outside. And unfortunately, Shauna wakes up halfway through the night and realizes Jackie's still outside, runs down. Jackie's died from basically frostbite and being frozen. So that's how the first season ends with Jackie dying. And I think what's important just leading up to that as well is they all have what they call a doom coming, which is essentially they missed out on homecoming. So they've decided let's do like a A doom coming. coming. It's essentially their send off because they think they're going to die soon because they're starting to run out of food. It's getting too winter. So they have this like little party. Misty, of course, had (laughs) been hoarding some magic mushrooms of some sort they yep. accidentally ingest them they all get a bit they all get high on mushrooms and, so and what's interesting is different things they essentially have this hunt but jackie doesn't have this hunt because she's off sleeping with um, travis. with travis and and they all sort of hunt essentially hunt travis because he's there i mean they're seeing things but he's the only guy so he's set apart from them natalie and and coach are off somewhere else yeah they're just talking and um yeah jackie doesn't join in the hunt no and and that obviously pisses them off because you can't say no to the hunt. It was led by Lottie. That kind of yeah. is a catalyst then later on. Yeah. But yeah, um, Jackie's death was pretty a brutal way to end that season, I think. I think so too because it's also – it's the end of – Sean's best friend. Sean's best friend. is To me, it's the end of innocence. Mm-hmm. That's when it kind of changes everything because the next season, it's a lot darker. Jackie's dead, but because the winter is set in, they can't bury her body – because there's just snow everywhere. So what they do is they, they have a frozen body in the meat shed yep. that's next to the cabin. And Shauna's kind of having a real difficult time accepting the fact that Jackie's dead. So she goes in and spends time with Jackie's body in the meat shed writing her journals. But she talks to her as if she's alive. Mm-hmm. She's essentially getting herself to get over the guilt of Jackie because she feels like it's her fault. They had the argument. She went outside. So she's seeing her as alive and she won't like she's not admitting that she's dead yet essentially so mm. the other characters realize she's doing this and kind of in the second episode they get her to kind of get over that it's like okay we need to have a fire for her and like basically cremate her cremate yeah. her rest her in peace and that night when they burn the body outside the cabin they go inside the wilderness kind of allows them to can we just before we get to this can okay. we just mention in the episode before that Jackie's ear falls off Oh, yeah, I didn't Shauna, forgot about that. Yeah, Shauna, and this was kind of tells you where it's going. It's hard to watch. Yeah. Maybe more than Yeah, the so other the bit. frozen body, the, the, the ear, ear falls, falls off. off. Shauna puts it in her pocket and you go, oh, that's going to defrost. Don't do that. Don't do that, Shauna. She's upstairs in a little attic where she journals a lot. Mm. She pulls the 
ear out and then has a little nibble. She eats she it. She eats the ear. That's um, how their first episode ends yeah, of you the go, first oh, uh, the second season. Cannibalism. Okay. Odd yeah, like, choice, Shauna. So she's feeling guilt over that a lot in the second episode. Yeah. When they're sort of laying Jackie to down rest, to yeah. rest. Like Lottie sort of sees it as like cuts and stuff There's in cuts her, on her and body she's and just like, okay, it's like something's weird's gone on, but we're just gonna gonna let her have this and let not her mention have a it. Moment, yeah. And then yeah, so like you said, they've got her on the pyre, they're all inside. Yep. The wilderness, something happens. Yeah. The wilderness, there's like this spiritual aspect of the wilderness this whole time through seasons one and two. It's not like a, a physical manifestation mm. of a person or like there's people. It's like nature itself is the wilderness and they kind of like do, they associate with the wilderness. They call it the wilderness. Yeah, and, and they it does make sacrifices. For, sacrifices to it. That night when they're burning the body of Jackie, the wilderness knocks a lot of snow off one of the trees onto the body. So when it's burning, it essentially slow cooks Mm -hmm. the body in a way that it's basically not burnt to a crisp and cremated it's cooked Mm -hmm. so to speak and all the girls inside the cabin wake up from sleeping they smell meat meat we're starving yeah you got to associate they haven't probably eaten very much food for two months plus Mm. and they have this moment where they decide to eat jackie's body yeah and they sort of look to Shauna yeah. first, and she makes the first cut because she's the butcher. She is the butcher, and she's she the just kind of goes, meat. "Yeah, we're going to do this." And then, yeah. honestly, it's a free, so gruesome, free for all. One of the most beautifully shot scenes yes. I've seen on television because it, it intercuts between them gruesomely just tearing chunks out of Jackie. Yeah, but then also, um, it's sort of this bacchanal fairy tale banquet. Yeah, where they're all just sort of dissociating. Yeah, and yeah. it's really. It's beautifully Beautiful. cut, but also harrowing yeah. at the same time. And you go, oh, this is only episode two. Two of season Far two. Out. And they've just eaten one of their mm-hmm. own to survive. Saying that, Coach Ben, who's the only adult character in the wilderness with them. He's lost a leg, by the way. He lost a leg in the initial crash. Yeah, so, missed he cut it off. Yeah, he cut it off just to make him survive. He's the only adult character. He's been trying to be a mentor. Essentially, through season one, he is mentoring them how to survive, what's the best way to go about it. And this is the moment where he sees their descent mm-hmm. and he can't associate with it. So he has a real breakdown of character for the rest of the season. Which I understand, but... Because he doesn't take part in eating Jackie. This week, Coach Ben, um, just pretend, man. Your survival instinct is very weak. He's is. He's, I liked him in the first season. Yeah. I'm not loving him in the oh, second no, season. Oh, no, by the end of season two, which we'll get into in a minute. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, you know what, Coach Ben... Not a good character, actually. I don't like you. No, I don't. You judgy, gay bastard. Yes, he's Um, he's a gay character in 1996, so that's definitely well hidden. He hasn't Mm -hmm. told anyone, his family, the team, anyone. Natalie works it out. They all kind of work it out eventually. They all kind of work it out eventually. He tells Misty because Misty's got a love interest. Yeah, he has to nip that in the bud at some point. Yeah, but he's he doesn't associate with the characters after that. After they eat Jackie, they... He essentially pulls way mm-hmm. back from the team and he sits in his room by himself for a couple of episodes, actually, gets, with a full beard and everything. And Gets quite suicidal. Yep. Um, he doesn't have a big role in it. It's just apart from not loving them anymore. And they're kind of like, okay, Coach Ben, but like, He's we're not seen surviving. as useful anymore. Yeah. Because they've learned to survive from his mentoring, but also then they've yeah. changed as well. And we'll just, we may as well just go through his story now because it's pretty, pretty short towards yeah. to the end of it. He kind of eventually breaks away from them a lot. He's still friends with Natalie. He's always been friends with Natalie. And yeah. then at the end of the well, end of episode eight or seven, he ends up going off to find wherever Harvey's been living. 
So Harvey is Travis's younger brother. Yes. And at the end of the Doomsday, Doom's Coming Festival in the end of season one, uh, Shauna tells Harvey to run because they're obviously doing the hunt. So Harvey's been missing since the last episode of season one. And they end up finding him through halfway through season two through Ty and Taisa, Van. yeah. They do this thing where she sleepwalks and mm-hmm. creates a map of where he is. Yeah. And they find Harvey. He's been gone for two months. So everyone's like, he's got to be dead. He's got to be dead. There's no surely way he's surviving. They find Harvey and he comes back. He's mute. He doesn't talk to anyone. There's a reason for that. I'll talk to you in a second. There's a lot that. of reasons about a lot of things. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Oh. Um, I'll talk to you about that after I get through this. Yeah. Um, so then Harvey comes back. He's mute. He doesn't talk to anyone. Travis is stoked. He's alive. Yeah. And they get to a point where um, Lottie's character has been beaten up by Shauna. And Lottie says... Look, if I end up dying, don't waste my body. Mm-hmm. And then Misty hears that and tells the rest of the group. And they're like, well, no, she needs to survive. So it has to be someone else. Yeah. So they kind of make a pact to go, one of us needs to die to have the others survive. And they do this ritual where. I have a lot of facts on this actually. That Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They do the card thing. They play lottery. They play the lottery. Which There's they've a- been doing as a chore wheel anyway. Yeah. So, and what's interesting is at some point, when they first started in early season one, they mentioned there's no queen in this deck. Mm. Very important. Then Harvey comes back and Van goes, it's only like in the background, goes, yeah. hey, Harvey, uh, where'd you find the queen? Mm. So the queen is suddenly back in the deck. Only yeah, one okay. singular queen, queen of hearts. Yep. And so they're playing okay. the lottery. Yep. And they all decide, I think it's more Van take charge because she just realizes, and um, Liv Houston who plays Van talks about it in an interview yeah. where they're saying that once Lottie is getting beaten, mm. that's the switch for Van. Van goes, okay, we, we can't keep doing this. We mm. have to survive. And if that means One of us. violence, yeah. it's going to be violence. So Van and Taisa decide we're going to do a lottery. They stand around um, and they pick cards and whoever gets the queen yeah. gets hunted. Yeah. Now- Well, or just what's, get killed. Yeah, yeah, hunted and killed. What's interesting- in, in that 90s version, not in the adult one later yeah. in the finale, whatever card they drew was scripted. Was it? Okay. None of them know what it means. But it's going to come up later. the writers do. I okay. would presume. I'm going to watch that again then. Definitely know what it means. Did they get the same cards when they were an adult? No, they don't. Okay. And that's it. Like, like, I've been you a bit on a deep dive and I've been yeah. watching some interviews with. Well, actually, they went for a lot of cards in the adult. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, they do a lottery. We may as well just tell you what happens in the end, basically. Yep. Um, Natalie gets it. She gets picked. They, they hunt, hunt her. her. She runs out. She they, finds Harvey. Harvey says, he starts talking for the first time, basically. And he's like, I'll take you to where I've been hiding. Yeah. The others don't know about it. That doesn't oh, it's happen. It's not far. He falls in the, in a, in the lake. The frozen lake. He it falls is, in. I'm trying to get through so much with people who've already seen it. Basically, they get, it, Natalie decides it's either him or me. And Missy's like, it's it's you or him. And she lets One of them has Harvey to, someone has to die. die. And yeah. the wilderness allegedly chooses. Yeah. So yeah. Harvey gets frozen in the lake. They end up doing the same thing as yeah. Jackie. They realize they have to eat someone to survive. And so, so Coach Ben has been off in this little cavern cave in this tree. Yeah. And Harvey's clearly been staying there. There's like bones and stuff. And we're all like, hang on, what's this cave? Which I'm assuming big plot point for season three. Yeah, definitely. Might answer some questions. Um, Coach Ben is hobbling back. He's really excited to be like, I've found, I found some. Something. He's I the he's first time he's wooden, useful, right? Yeah. And he sees, he sees Shauna. He sees Lottie. He sees that too. Yeah. Yes. He sees, sees um, Shauna butchering Harvey's Harvey. Remains. And he it's it's a big moment and it's beautifully shot, which is kind of a weird way to say, but Natalie comes up behind him and is like, 
coach, what are you doing? Where have you been? Where have you been? Yeah. And and he still sees Natalie as like him, she and him against the world kind of thing. Yeah. And um, he's like, come with me. I found a place. We can both be there. You're not like these girls. And she goes, coach, I'm worse. I let him die in my place. It was mm. meant to be me up there. Mm. And you see this moment where he's just like, what the hell? And she goes, coach, you don't belong here. You don't belong with these people. We're all bad people. Yeah. And um, he, he leaves seemingly. Yeah. This man is bloody useless, might I say. Yeah. You've been in the wilderness for how long and you still can't put some rocks together and make a fire? I would have been practicing. Oh, yeah. he's. I would have been practicing. He couldn't do the fire when he was in the oh, cave my God. at all. So he ends up hobbling back to the cabin. To the cabin. Yep. Gets some matches, looks in, and what he sees, and we'll talk about this in a minute, but he basically just sees Lottie passing the baton to, to Natalie, Natalie as the leader. Which is a big unquote. moment, but we'll get into that separately. Yep. And he's like, You hope he's just going to take his matches and. and well, and that's go. it. You don't see anything else for that scene. And then he burns the cabin down. Well, the next scene, you, you assume it's him. It has to be the, him. The final scene of season two is Shauna wakes up halfway through the night upstairs. Writing in a journal. Writing in it a journal. It should have been me. I saw that. I was about to talk to you about that. It should have been me. Yeah. So she has this thing where she should, thinks she should be the leader. I've been keeping them alive this whole time. It's a really bratty it's, journal. Yeah, well, that's why I say Shauna and a little I bit too. And I love her, but she's she's hard to like. She's hard to like as a teenager. Did you, do you notice when she's first notices there's a fire? Yeah. She runs up to the top eve and she gets that first journal. She gets the like, journal first. She's like, I need all of these journals. She gets the journals yeah. first before anything else. Not even telling anyone. She... <laughs> She then gets the journals and she yells to the other it's girls. It's Jackie's dress. Yes. Yeah. And then she um, yells out fire, fire, fire. They obviously work out there's a fire and they quickly get the essentials they can all get because mm-hmm. it's quick, quickly burns and they get out the front door. The, the front door has actually been barred shut mm-hmm. as well. Hit that down with the, the axe. They get out of the front door and then they just like turn around and look at this cabin they've been living in for like months it's now. It's safety. It's the only hope kind yeah. of thing. Burned down. It's still winter, by the way. Last of their civilization. Yep. And that's how the show ends at and season two for the for at least the uh, 1996 storyline. Coach Ben. And you assume it's going to be Coach Ben who burnt the house because you see him get the wood and the matches. And you're just like, dude, come on. Yeah. At this point, it's there's no morals anymore. No. It's, I mean, there's there's morals he, between you and me. Like, we've got to keep each other alive. Yes. But there's no right or, or wrong in what we're doing to survive at this point. But yeah. he can't. He can't establish that because I yeah. think – He's a lot older too. He's a lot so older, harder. so he's, his morals are more set in, but. I guess. But he's also just not adapting to the wilderness. No, a bit better than Jackie did, but definitely still not as good as the other like, characters. I get how hard it must be for him, but also mm. Coach Ben, you've got one leg. Who kept you alive and fed you this entire time? Those girls. Those girls did. Yeah, they didn't have to. They could have been like, "See ya, adult." Man. Man, leave. <laughs> leave, please. But they or didn't. They didn't look after you him. You've done nothing to help. The whole time. Yeah. And I think it's a bit ungrateful. Yeah, I want to see where his character goes for season three. Mm. I wonder if he'll still be suicidal at some point. I don't think so now. No, I think he's got a vendetta. I think he's going to be the quote-unquote villain of season three. Yeah. Which but we'll see where that goes. Question for you. Mm-hmm. is uh, Associating with Harvey. Mm-hmm. Do you think, and this is just an outside of plot point, do you think the making of the show, do you think they, one, stopped Harvey from talking because let's just talk about this, like Harvey's actual actor, when the show started, he's playing a 12, 13-year-old and he probably was 12, 13. Yeah, he was very young. That took a while because of the whole COVID situation yeah. from the pilot. He obviously was okay in terms of acting that age in season one, but then when season two, he's had a huge growth spurt, he has, hasn't he? Yeah. So he's still playing that 12, 13-year-old because the time frame's still only about a year, maybe less. Now he looks like he's about 16, 17, pretty close to what Travis is. 
Um, do you think that there's a potential where they kind of manipulated the story to have him not talk? Because he's definitely broken his voice. He yeah. definitely sounds like he's an adult boy now. And do you think, so obviously completely less lines, and do you think they wrote him out because of the way he looks going into season three? He's going to look even older I think and it, manipulated the story to yeah. kind of reflect that. Could have been a lot of a lot of things. I think they probably intended it for to go that way. At some point, anyway, anyway, regardless, because yeah. the thing is, they know when they cast him, yeah. roughly how long. I mean, obviously not. It was the supposed pilot, to be shorter because of but COVID. But even so, they know that he's going to get a lot yeah. older. Yeah. So I think it was sort of convenient that anyway, like even if he, I just think he wouldn't have spoken it anyway. Yeah. Because what does he have to say? He's scared of them. Last time he saw them, they were hunting his brother. I just thought they would develop the mystery of where he'd been, been? a little bit more because well, he also says like, "I shouldn't have come back. Mm. My friend told me not to come." Back. back so i don't know if that will come up in season yeah three. i like want to know who the friend is but i think this season was really interesting in that season one scared me a lot more mm. just because i didn't know what was happening there was all like the no-eyed man there's the wilderness the spirit i was like oh what's happening season two one-eyed man as well, well go back to no-eyed man no i no eyes. Um, got no eyes yeah is that one and then season two there's less of that so i wasn't as scared in that sense but also, well, also we didn't f- get a lot of answers. And the, I kind no, of love season. that. I kind of love that we didn't. They develop a lot of other questions and where mm-hmm. these characters are going, where they end up. The big thing I picked up on in this season was how much is it spiritual, there's a bigger calling, or how much is it they're just literally hallucinating. Well, what Think I, about the character with the, the mouse. Akila. Uh, yeah, Akila. in season Akeela. one, but different actress. Different actress, but yeah. So she has a bigger developed character mm-hmm. arc in season two. She finds this mouse about season, I mean, episode two, two or three of season mm-hmm. two in the nugget pantry in, in the pantry. So she keeps it as like a friend in her pocket and she starts talking to the, the rat just basically just to comfort her the whole season. She little scenes with her talking to the, to the, to the mouse. And then I think the second last episode of the season, Ty comes up to her and goes, what do you got there? What are you doing? And she's like, that thing's dead Aquila. Yeah. yeah. And, and you have this break of reality where you actually see from Ty's perspective, it's just this dead rat she's been playing with the whole time. And I think so. It's like how much is this season is playing into the fact that they're having a they're obviously tipped off the tipping point. I I love a lot of this whole theory, and I kind of want to get into it semi briefly because it could you know be big. But they kind of walk this very fine line with what is the re- is it yeah. spiritual? Is it mental illness? Yes. Is it just them descending into madness? And you see it a lot more with Lottie's character for obvious reasons. Yeah. But I, what I like the most about there not being an answer yet. Yeah, because they all have a little Is thing. outside of it being like in our reality, Yeah, people see things, is that real? I've seen things, am I seeing them or am I actually well, that's a question. bit mental? Yeah. We don't, no, there's no answers in the real world. So there's no, doesn't You're have not, to be yeah. answers in Yellow Jackets. But what I think is well, important is yet. like not straight, yeah, not straight away. Whatever it is, their reality is still their reality, and it still affects how they yeah, work exactly, things. So right. I don't think we need an answer. And I yeah. think you find that too amidst Lottie's breakdown at the very, very end when mm. Shauna goes, "There is no it. It's been asked the whole time," and Lottie just goes, "Does it matter?" That's what I wanted to talk about because yeah, the adult version of Lottie just goes, it, but I think does it even matter?" Also, yeah. is in in this breakdown state as well. So yeah. I don't know if. She would have said that if she wasn't yeah. that far gone in that moment. But I think it's an important point to yeah. make. And I think her character at that point doesn't know up from down anyway. Doesn't know mm. what she's seeing that's real. What's Because she sort of came back. She got hospitalized. She decided 
it is just my mental illness and mm-hmm. nothing's real and I can't believe it's real because when I believed it's real, bad things Bad things happen to the people that I associate but with. But then suddenly, I mean, obviously she's off her meds, she's hallucinating more. Suddenly the truth seems murkier and yeah. maybe this is the wilderness. They all come back. They all kind of are on her side a, a, a little bit. To a degree because they're also going through a bit of and a tough time and they want to kind of have a reason and for how. It confusing would it be to be that character we oh just, yeah just don't know they all come back and go yeah you were probably right yeah yeah that's and the- then sort of van has that point where she goes we did this to lottie back then and because they see built it a lot, her up especially with misty when she goes misty that's not what i wanted i didn't want any of this i didn't want to start hunting people and misty comes back downstairs and she's like because she's manipulative yeah. and she's like lottie said we all did really well yeah <laughs> and i think that's why lottie just passes it on at the yeah, end she's like it's too much it's and too her much. and natalie have kind of been these perfect foils well, that's of why, characters yeah they've been they had that rival episode but they also realized that they are both the leaders mm-hmm. in different ways and i think like lottie never wanted it mm. even when she had it she didn't want it but she just went oh this is the the better for everyone yeah. so i'm gonna she was looking out for i'll people. do it for everyone else natalie doesn't think she wants it mm-hmm. on the surface level but even coach points out to her oh you sound a bit jealous you know talking about yeah. them all following lottie even though lottie's upstairs beaten half to death and then when Lottie passes it and I love that scene because you see a, a f- quite a few characters sit up when she's like someone else because mm. they think it's going to be them and they're ready for it to be them and Natalie doesn't No, but, but then, then in seconds of them all worshipping her they all bow to her she's probably the happiest we've ever seen her character because she's always been an outcast but finally she's they in- adore her yeah she's the included character and yeah. yeah it's such an interesting thing but then you see it the flip side of her and as an adult she's been on the brink of death forever and Lottie is so much trying to save her now and I think it's a guilt thing of like I gave it to you because I couldn't handle it myself and I thought you could handle it but none of us can handle it and even that scene with it's in like season uh, episode two or three of season two when Lottie is at the beehive and she's had that hallucination of of blood and stuff but before that in the episode she's talking to Natalie and she's like Something about when a new queen arrives, she stings all the other potential queens around her or newborn queens. Yeah. And Natalie goes, oh, you must like that. And it's like, it's really it's interesting. interesting. Yeah. Curious question. Mm-hmm. Where do you think Crystal's body went? Oh, I don't know what Kristen, happened to Crystal. Crystal. So that was Misty's friend for season and two. And that's such a, oh, a brilliant point because she's only in it for a minute and then she's yeah. gone. And you think, why is this important? But then she was her best friend and... Misty accidentally killed her and then she accidentally kills Natalie, her next best friend. Yeah. And that's such a heartbreaking yeah, moment. So exactly. That's why um, I was, yeah. But back to your previous bit, I don't know what happened to nobody. I think I'm still happy to believe that there is some sort of spiritual, spiritual I think it's going to, well. I think there's going to be. Not I just. I think there's going to be in maybe the next season yeah. or the season after because they've got five seasons planned. I think we're going to see more of the no-eyed man come into it. I think it's going to be a higher spiritual mm-hmm. situation. So, yeah, when Crystal's body went missing, because we knew where it was, it fell off a cliff and Misty saw it. Mm-hmm. When she went back to find it, it wasn't there. there. So and I, I, yeah, I think that that's part of it too. And I think what's important, and it, it, it comes into Lottie being like, does it really matter? It's like there could have been something out there mm. and it could have been driving us. We could have been worshipping it the same way as people believe in like, you know, it's good to worship. If you're Christian, it's good to worship God. It's bad to follow Satan because yeah. that does change you. But at the end of the day, it's still your choice whether you want to be led down the path mm-hmm. of whoever you're worshiping whether that be good or bad and i think that's important like there can be them they're all mentally ill yeah also they're starving also that this it can also be they're making some pretty pretty morally 
bad choices. Yeah, gray area. Gray area choices, but also it can be there is some sort of spiritual thing as well. Yeah. And maybe we never get a definitive answer because at what point is it them? Is it their mental illness? Is it spiritual? You can't pinpoint that ever. So interesting point that you just mentioned on before. So obviously at the end of the season two in the adult timeline, Mm -hmm. there's a whole cultivation of a situation and Natalie's character ends up dying because she protects one of the characters she's been associating with, Lisa. Mm -hmm. Lisa? Yeah, Lisa. The whole time. She's one of the cult members. So she builds a relationship with this Lisa character and she protects her because Missy's trying to kill her just to protect Natalie as well, funnily enough, but she pushes her out of the way and she gets killed. What I want to know is, so there's a sequence when Natalie is dying and it's on the plane. I have so many things to say. Yes, go. So on the plane, you Mm -hmm. see a few characters talk to Natalie as she's dying. It's a vision, essentially, as she's dying. Mm -hmm. She sees her younger self. Mm -hmm. She sees Lottie. Mm -hmm. It's one other character she sees as well. Is it Travis? No, that's what I was about to talk to you about. She does not see Travis at all. Younger or older. So I was like, do you think that represents something? I think think she's moved past the need for Travis. I think she felt so much guilt for Travis. Do you think that's what the cult situation was for, was forgiveness for that whole situation as well? She needed to absolve it for herself. Which which was on screen. It made sense. She has so much guilt. But what's interesting as well is someone mentioned that they – the plane is often used as sort of a funeral yeah. thing in their visions because that's when they all essentially died. Also, Natalie's wearing the same outfit, outfit when she started. When she started, but also when she it's something to do with her dad. Oh, is it? I can't remember exactly what it is, but then because she's wearing that like leather jacket, and I think like a red mm-hmm. top underneath. But then also, there's so many different bits. I'm trying to keep it all in my head, but mm. I think Natalie was supposed to die in this the whole way through. People said that. The actress that plays her, Juliet Lewis. Juliet Lewis, wasn't happy with the season one script, the way her character went. Yeah. I can't remember if that's true because I saw it on Twitter, so I don't know where the actual source comes from. Do you to think she wanted out yes of the or show no. eventually? Or? Maybe, but I don't think that's the reason it happened because the yeah. showrunners said, and I've been paying attention to this, but I didn't know when it was going to come up. Mm-hmm. In the pilot episode, yeah. Natalie's tripping balls and she looks out and she goes, Misty? Yeah. And Misty is standing there. That was intentional way back in the pilot. Really? Knowing that Misty would then kill her. Yeah, okay. Now, because you see it cuts back to it yeah. when she's dying and she goes, you see that scene where she goes, Misty? And Misty was always always the one gonna that's going to kill be her. Yeah, Um. and I think what's super, I think Natalie's time was up. Yes. She was on, bar- she was on borrowed time ever since she escaped the wilderness that first time yes she then got worshipped i think the wilderness loved her more than anyone else because she'd already killed before in that her, yeah, she her actually dad. killed her dad yep. so she was darker already and then it goes to her, a point yeah her, where she's gone and then um van's cancer seemingly might be about to disappear and i think that's a litmus test if they brought this supernatural spiritual yeah. wilderness back to the present that's what i was about to get into like yeah obviously van's got borrowed time as well mm-hmm. she's got yep. cancer she's got months to live what's interesting with van is van was supposed to die in the pilot yeah live houston the actor that plays the character was she's so phenomenal so good well they're phenomenal because it's so, number yeah, one so good that they just kept keeping van's character alive to the point that she's now adult yep. which i think just cool yeah i think it's but yeah borrowed well time done. for van as well because she almost dies a few times mm-hmm. in the show like yeah. in the initial plane crash scene as well. Mm-hmm. And then with the wolves, mm-hmm. she gets her face ripped, uh, off. ripped off. But then she's almost dying, but she has that vision. And then she, yeah, they sew her face back up. She's got the scars on there, but it kind of fades as she's an adult. And I think what's interesting with that, and it, it plays into her character a lot, is 
before they all went off to, because part of the group split off way back in the first season to go f- see if they could find some more stuff. Lottie gives Van this little like um, like bone skull and just says, "Keep this is going to keep you safe." And um, it, it ends up keeping Ty safe because Ty was the one wearing it. But I think what's interesting with Van's character is like, um, and I don't know if I just mentioned, but like her her mum, she has to slap her mum awake, so she's used to living with no one to keep her safe. Yeah, Liv was saying a bunch of stuff about how she's used to living with someone that like doesn't remember what they say and do, doesn't keep her like physically safe. And there was one other thing, but what's interesting is Ty in early season two in the 90s, it's sleepwalking, is a yes. danger to herself and everyone else, yep. can't keep herself safe. Yeah, is no safe. So like, so she associates with characters like that already. Yeah. And just this poor character, she's decided I've got to look after Ty regardless, but yeah. I don't think she trusts Ty. I don't think she trusts anyone. No, she doesn't. She's which she's a survivor regardless. Sucks. Like she loves Ty. Yeah. But she's aware of the situation that Ty is involved with. There's this other version mm-hmm. of Ty that she's got to be wary of. Because essentially the reason why she got her face ripped off was because of Ty. Ty was supposed to be keeping watch. Was supposed to keep watch. I'm pretty sure she threw away the protective skull as well. I think well. she gave it to Ty because Ty's yeah. seen wearing it up in the tree. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, she's not wearing it when she gets attacked no. and that's an issue. Also, Which also a, ties into the spiritual yeah. aspect of the wilderness as well. And Ty's brilliant. We're going to do this quick because we're running out of time. But I love that character. I don't like that character as much because she's harder to relate to. She's my to. least favourite character. It's not saying I don't like her. Mm-hmm. Least favourite because I like most of them. Yeah, but she's just an insanely brilliant character too in that she's kind of like always the hard ass going to stick up. Yeah. And just is like, this is what's happening. This isn't what's happening. There's no spiritual stuff. I know that weird stuff's happening to me because I'm seeing things and I'm yeah. doing things and I'm eating dirt, but it's not happening and I don't want anything to do with it. And she sort of slowly comes over to Lottie's side, it seems. Yeah, in season two, just, she accepts it more that she gets involved but I don't with think the she does. spiritual side of things. I think she just knows she just it's going to be an easier route just yeah. to get included keeps, with it. doesn't mean she believes no, in it. Keeps Van on her side as well. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, adult ties, killed her dog. Mm, she's uh, lost her family. The car, yeah. Um, left her wife in hospital. Her with kids, the son somewhere we else think, now. probably with the parents. Yeah, she's hitchhiked to find poor Van, who didn't want her in her life anyway. Yeah, and then sort of made it Van's problem because Van's like, well, you know, I'm not gonna let you go because I, yeah. I still love you even if it's not the same. And she's like, what do you want from me, Ty? There's no us. Yeah, that kind of thing. So it is, and there's less of Ty in this season, which I think is a shame. Also, it could be part, there's no black writers in the writer's room this season. Oh, wow, okay. Which, um, not great, not no. good. Um, but I'm hoping season three, now that they've spent more time with Van and Lottie and yeah. they're all back together, we can figure out We're what's going on with Ty. We're going to see where that goes. I think there's going to be a time jump in season three for the adults because mm-hmm. this kind of was a pretty time crunch heavy season around the time frame. I think there'll be a little bit of a, a space in terms of what happens next mm-hmm. because everything, every loose end kind of tied itself up at the end of this. In a weird way. In a weird way. So I think there's going to be another issue for the adults, but I think there's going to be, so I think they're all going to be in their own place again. Mm-hmm. There'll be separate storylines, which might come to back together again. I hope Van and Ty go see Lottie. I, th- I think they I will. I hope so. I think Lottie will still be in it, mm-hmm. although she's gone off again to a psych ward just to get looked at. I think she'll still be heavily in the season mm-hmm. three. I yeah, I imagine something else will come up in season three that will be separate from what season one and two's and adult plot line was. Misty as well. I love that they brought in Walter. Even if I don't trust the man. But he's entirely. just he's the same as Misty. But he's also he a gives male version of Misty. He is. But he brilliantly gives, acted by Elijah Wood. But he gives Sorry. no it's me. He gives Misty 
a reason to have a moral compass for the first time because she's never yeah. had one. She, yeah. it, all of season one, she's kind of like, mm, and we'll just see what happens and it'll be fun and yeah. it could be destructive, but it's fun. But then suddenly she's killed her best friend, mm. but also there's someone else that who, she can essentially re- mm-hmm. rely on because of that. Yeah. And I think it sends her on a bit of a spiral because suddenly she feels something for someone. I absolutely love the scene where Walter, Elijah Wood's character, just kills Kevin. Tran. Oh, he runs through like bang, bang, bang. Yeah, that yeah. was fantastic. And he's like, well, okay, situation is you either agree to this storyline I'm creating for you, the narrative, yeah. or you can go down the other route. And he's like, God damn it. <laughs> I think. That was genius. Yeah. A brilliant addition. He was. It was a good it. addition. Um, he's scene where he's interrogating Randy. Oh, I love that. And Phenomenal. then you've got. He slaps him. Hit him. Hit him. Hit him. Hit him. <laughs> and he slaps him. And then Randy's like, well, what the was that for? <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Uh, I could go on for another two hours, so I'll Me too. stop. I but think we should get close to wrapping this up. Yeah. Come and come and chat to us about it, please. Yes. Yes. So that's seasons one and two of Yellow Jackets. So if you were intrigued by what we spoke about and you haven't seen it, definitely watch it. Even though you know what we've kind of talked about, it's worth seeing. There's so much more than Yeah, we, we haven't we, we could have kept talking for a lot longer. Um it's on Paramount Plus, so I'm pretty sure you can just Sign up to that. There might be even a free week or two. You can mm-hmm. probably crunch out and see it in that time frame. And season three, we're kind of speculating, will be at least another year before that comes out because of the writer's strike and mm-hmm. then they have to actually Make film it. it, produce it, market it, all that jazz. So it's going to be a little while off till season three comes out. But, um, yeah, get in touch with us because I want to keep talking about it. Shannon probably still does, but I definitely, definitely do. Thanks, everyone, that's been listening so far. We really, really appreciate it. And as always, thanks for listening. And if you're enjoying it, give us a follow. You can email us. Find us on Instagram or Twitter. Email us at bingelist and boxofficehits at gmail.com or find us at bingelists on Instagram and Twitter. And thanks for that, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, go watch Yellow Jackets. Yes, do it. Thank you. Bye. Bye.